We're back. It's your boy, Eduardo Jackson, CEO, founder, creator of the great Cinema Draft game and Draftery. Welcoming back St. Louis Blues employee, longtime Cinema Draft player and gaming enthusiast, king of the low ball in Draft Stream. It's your boy, Ring Balls. How's it going, Eduardo? Yes, welcome back, Nick. Uh, our Andy Cohen Watch What Happens Live inspired drinking game word tonight is the word future. Every time you hear one of us say this word, take a sip of what you're sipping. It's water, not vodka. Uh, because tonight's pod will be all about covering some of our favorite time travel films, and nothing's better than going back to the future. Mm. All right, so Nick, welcome back. Uh, because we are in pandemic times, global, global coronavirus, quarantine, and pandemic times, reopenings, phasing reopenings, retrenchings, all this kind of craziness. As you, I'm sure you see my Twitter feed, it's a fucking hot mess. I just want to hear something good, damn it. Tell me something good, bro. Bruh. So, so uh, my roommate and I, after uh, probably months of debating and just, uh, we decided to do a bracket of the best Disney movie. I noticed, so, and I and I'm I'm following it. I I think I I voted on on several of them. So yeah, congratulations. This this, this yeah. looks fun. Yeah. So I I mean, you see the brackets pop up from time to time, and we would look at them, and none of them seemed to really fit what we liked, and we didn't agree with the seating. So I guess Sunday night we finally sat down and put way too much time into it. Uh, I know uh, our third roommate, uh, his girlfriend walked in and was like. Is this really worth your time? And we're like, probably not, but it's a good way to kill the, kill the evening. So we put probably about three hours into uh, figuring out the seating and everything. So it was a good way to kill an evening. And uh, I'm, we've put up the first two rounds of the polls, and I'm going to put up the third round tomorrow. Oh, very cool. Well, you know what? That, thanks for reminding me. I'll have to check back and, and make my voice heard. There's no lines in this ballot box, damn it. Not to cut it. All right, so... What we're watching. Now, first thing I'm watching is The Letdown. And actually, this is this goes back a few weeks. What viewers may not realize is that we had a fully in-the-can podcast with your boy, uh, with Ring Balls, and the audio or the video or something was terrible. So he's back graciously. Thank you for coming back, Nick. And uh, so I guess we will rediscuss for our new audience, The Letdown. And actually, let me share my screen with The Letdown. Oh, there we go. Let me share my screen about The Letdown. And this is an, an Aussie comedy. You know, actually, I'm not going to try to do a voice. I, I love a good accent, as all of you all know. <laughs> my, my drama degree at work, whatever. But uh, uh, great, great Aussie comedy. Uh, work a bit of a workplace. Uh, well, not not workplace kind. Of, well, yeah, partly workplace. Mostly kind of um, uh, mums, as they say down there. Um, actually, no, this is the wrong letdown. Damn it. Uh, a bit of a uh, a comedy of 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 uh, mums, new mums. Uh, we the first episode we see her in a in a uh, group, like almost like group therapy for new mums, and it's just and you know, there's like about five or six uh, key women they they cling to. Yeah, that's perfect. Her you know breastfeeding in public awesome uh uh and it just it's just really funny and as a bachelor with no kids that i 
I know of. Uh, it's just totally alien to me. And also it's Australia with the great accents. And Alison Bell, who's co-creator and, and the star of it, she's just fantastic. She's got this really great rubbery face, super game for anything. A lot of really subversively snarky uh, dialogue. I love it. Are you, are you aware of the letdown at all, Nick? Uh, no, I, well, I remember you talking about it when we tried to have our podcast a couple weeks ago and I made a mental note to watch it and uh, I forgot my mental note. So I still haven't checked it out, even though everything you've described about it, it sounds right. I'm gonna be allowed, so. No, no, it's, it's great. It's, it's two seasons. There are half hour episodes each, like more like 20 something minutes and they fly right by. I think I crushed the, the, the entire series in like a week and a half. So I, I, I recommend it. Oh, this guy. <laughs> this guy so also one of the first uh one, one of the scenes in the opening episode you see her at like late at night she's in a car uh with her baby i guess it's a thing where and i saw this also on, on the fx show breeders where you know you can you drive a car with a baby or like calm down and go to sleep or something so she's in a park the baby asleep she's trying to get some rest and this guy comes up he's a drug dealer in the local park he's like hey want to buy some drugs and she's like no no what are you doing yeah go away he's like no you gotta you gotta move you gotta move you know this, this is my territory it's it's, so, it's really funny he ends up becoming like a bit of a an addiction counselor throughout the whole th it's really really funny the letdown check it out if you can um postpartum depression you know prolapsed vaginas all that stuff that i do nothing about comes to play all right, and from our draft stream game, something else I'm watching is Bully, Coward, Victim, the story of Roy Cohn. Are you familiar with this work, Ring Balls? Uh, I saw you talk about it in the chat, but I was lazy all weekend, and the only thing I think I watched from last week's uh, game was Dad's. I watched that, I think, Monday morning. Oh, what do you think of that? I know Draft Mom watched it, and she liked it. Uh, I liked it. It was really cool to see the interviews and all the stories and people from around the world and uh, Ron Howard's mustache from back in the seventies. I wish he would still keep it. That was that was fantastic. Seventies was but, the worst uh, time for hair. Just ask Jay Devlin. He loves good hair. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no. The uh, I enjoyed watching Dad's. It was a nice, a nice tight hour and like twenty five minute documentary. So worth the watch. All right, all right, uh, solid endorsement, a little bit of what you were watching. But back to uh, Bully, Coward, Victim, Bully, Bill, the Bully, Coward, Victim, story of Roy Cohn. We, I've heard of Roy Cohn because I follow politics. I didn't really know much about him. He was a little bit before my time. I think he died sometime in the 80s from complications of AIDS. Uh, he's a fascinating guy in so much as he's almost a bit of like a force gump through American power politics. Like you first see him as like 20-something, at the McCarthy trials or hearings or whatever, you know, tw like 23, 26, something like that, right at Joseph McCarthy's side. Kind of like, you know what, he's kind of like the, the Kushner, the seeping poison into his ear, the Jared Kushner seeping poison into, into McCarthy's ear, fabricating evidence to get Julius and Ethel Rosenberg ex executed. It's no coincidence this documentary is actually uh, filmed by the granddaughter of Julius and Ethel Rosenberg. And so, you know, uh, so take that with a grain of salt if you must. But it, it's fascinating because this guy, he, he's, you know, you see him alongside of all these, you know, rich and powerful people. He's famously Donald Trump's consigliere uh, in the 70s and 80s, hooks, them, hooks him up with Manafort and Stone, all that sort of stuff. And even more diabolically, he's, 
he's a closeted gay figure who actually has like who supports a ton of clients and legislation that's virulently anti-gay so no one likes this dude everyone who gets on tape or on on, uh, on record for this guy hates him like, even his friends like yeah this guy sucks so it's fascinating it's like as if you're watching the documentary of darth vader himself nobody likes this guy i'm not i don't even know i'm not sure if people are glad that he's dead but no one had a kind word to say about this guy which is usually pretty rare for someone who's deceased i don't know that's uh I, I remember you talking about that, because that's on, was on HBO Max or just regular HBO? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Uh, also, same on with uh, The Letdown. Both are on Netflix. Make, uh, check them out if you get a chance. It, it's, it's interesting uh, just watching this guy. I mean, because you, you basically get the entire Donald Trump playbook. This guy always denied, you know, always denied guilt, never or never admitted guilt, always denied everything, didn't pay for shit. Like, he would run up these... $20,000 bills, like department stores, whatever, and be like, yep, don't pay it. This guy had money. He, he, was all, he also uh, moved everything into his company's name, so he had no assets. We tried to sue him, we come up empty because everything was, was uh, let out to, was uh, under the name of his companies. Really smart, really brilliant, really bad, bad guy. Check it out. <laughs> Bully Coward victim, the Roy Cohn story. Story Roy Cohn. All right, so what have you been watching, Ring Balls? Uh, so like I said, I have been a little lazy, but I did finish up Love Life the last four episodes with the Anna Kendrick show. Oh, Bay, what do you think? Uh, I mean, I, I the show the show was actually I I was going into it knowing I was going to love it one way or the other, and it was actually good. I don't have to just uh, fly my Anna Kendrick flag and say I love it just because of her. No, I actually it was really well done. Uh, the stories they tied, they did a good job of tying everything together at the end. And, uh, it's, a, I thought it was, a, I saw they got already approved for a second season, which I'm yes. interested to see, see how they go. Cause they did do a good job of tying it up. If it was just going to be one season, didn't leave you like necessarily on a cliffhanger or anything like that. Uh, so no, the story behind that is is that it's going to be an anthology series, but we're going to have like a few of the characters from her season traipse through in the next season and possibly throughout oh, the entire okay. series, which is a really smart way to do it, if you ask me. No, yeah, that's yeah, because it, it feels like it could get stale in a second season if you focus just on Darby. Um, but no, and then uh, I know when we talked a couple weeks ago, uh, my one buddy was wanting me to start Insecure. So I started watching that. I'm almost through the first oh, season of that. Oh, bro. the journey you have ahead of you. Oh, I'm so excited. How far are you? Uh, episode seven, I think. So are you are you ensconced in the Lawrence Hive yet? <laughs> oh, it's uh, – oh, man. It, I, I was watching it because my, my buddies, he's watched all of it and, I think we I think we knocked out the first seven episodes in one night. So I have I just haven't gone back to it, but because uh, what uh, Lawrence is the boyfriend at the beginning, right? Yeah, yeah. Lawrence is the boyfriend. Uh, Jay Ellis actually, you know, sneaky old. He's like forty two. Black don't crack. I'm just saying. You know, when I shave this shit, you know, it, we, <laughs> we look all right. Yeah, he's he's like yeah he's like um, I want to say he's like thirty nine or forty two. He's he's an older guy from South Carolina, and yeah, and Yvonne Orgy, 36, where they're all playing like late 20-somethings, you know, which is fine. And actually, if you, I'm not sure if you've seen it, but she has a stand-up on HBO, which I watched uh, 
a couple weekends ago because I didn't, I had no idea that she was a comedian. She's legit funny. Her show was great. She's she's Nigerian American, and so she had like in, interspersed with her comedy or with her stand up routine. She had uh, uh, pictures of her or film from her trip back to Nigeria, and so in, half her act is using a Nigerian accent. It's so funny. You know they say there are only four things a Nigerian can be: doctor, lawyer, engineer. Disappointment. I mean, her her whole <laughs> set is really funny. Check it out if you can. It's called um, Yvonne Orgy, Mama, I Made It. Yeah. Is that what is that on Netflix too? Or no, no, HBO? that's on that's on HBO. Yeah. Yeah, I'll check that. Yeah, no, because Molly <laughs> is is that is her Molly? Is that her name on the show? Yeah, Yvonne Orgy, aka Molly, right here in the center. Fine and funny. Mm, yeah, man, yeah. she had a comedy show too. Uh, I think for HBO, which was also really funny. So yeah, they're all they're all comedians, I guess. Yeah, well, that, that explains. I, I, I've been laughing, and I've had a couple just face plant moments with some of the stuff Molly's done these first few episodes. And I've I've heard it only; it just it gets worse for me. Yeah, it gets worse. Yeah, so. yeah Mo- Molly doesn't really have a hive. Molly has has uh, like hundreds of thousands of Twitter therapists. That's what she has. <laughs> Yeah, and his boy chat. Yeah, it's it's really good. I, I envy the, the journey ahead of you. Uh, so much fun. Very excited for you. And and reason, I mean, well, I, I'm really proud of the show because it definitely does depict late 20s, uh, single black life in L.A., something I know, you know, entirely of. I lived in L.A. from roughly when I was 22-ish. Yeah, for about a decade, from 22 to like 32, 33-ish, um, I was out there for a decade. So a lot of those places they go to, even though we're talking, I'm, I'm a decade removed from that. I mean, a lot of those places are still there. That actual, her apartment building, the the Palms or whatever. I mean, I think I knew someone who either lived there or lived right by there. I used to pass by all the time, never gave it a thought. Now, of course, it's like a tourist attraction because <laughs> it's insecure. So it, it really does do LA and especially Black LA very well. So I'm very excited for the, the journey ahead of you, young man. Ah, so good. So good. Bruh. All right. Uh, and, oh, do you have something else you're watching you want to talk about? Um, no, not really. Uh, I've just kind of lazily been, when I've been, since uh, golf's back, when I've been doing all my DraftKings research for golf, I've uh, just kind of thrown up uh, Big Bang Theory in the background. Uh, you know, and I've seen you and and Stringer, you know, get getting after it, talking about actually come back, Stringer, come back. Where 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 are the call sheets? Come back. Now the golf's here. What you you do good for us, huh? Our money too small? <laughs> come back, Stringer, come back. Uh, anyway, well, and then he, he, he talks about all the lineups he throws in, and he never puts one into the Crawford, and just just leaves leaves us hanging on there. <laughs> Well, you know what? I've been there, you know, testing out your, your your theories before you want to take a prime time. Anytime I play with you guys, I want to come correct. So I, I don't blame you. I definitely don't blame you. Um, all right. Well, you know what? Let's move on to the game this week. We are doing our top five time travel movies. All right. The way it goes is you name a movie involving time travel. We alternate picks. Once that movie is out of uh, is picked, it is out of play. And as you are the guest, and we are two weeks late, you get the first pick. I will share my screen so we shall follow along. And what is your first movie, dear Ringballs? Well, I'm going to 
be very predictable here and start with back to the future. With what? I'm sorry? Back to the future. Oh, back to the future. Okay. Easy pickings. Yeah. I, I dig it. Fair enough. And smart way to play the game. Wax <laughs> poetic about back to the future. So I recently just rewatched the trilogy not that long ago because it had probably trying to remember the last time I watched it and it was honestly probably over 10 years before and so it was nice to go back and I didn't really remember the second or the third one all that much so it was almost like watching them brand new but the the, it's, the premise is just he, he, had, he goes back and gotta make sure his parents get together and uh, my, I, Michael J. Fox just it's fantastic I know uh, the rewatchables did did this a, a couple weeks ago, and uh, they were talking about uh, what who was supposed to be Marty McFly, and they did five weeks of shooting with him, and uh, they're like, "Oh, this doesn't work." So they had to go back and reshoot everything with Michael J. Fox. Uh, but no, I, I, it's just it's just a fun watch. It's you just watch it and the. Doc, Doc Brown is with his crazy and the the scene with um with the at the prom where what's what's the song he plays? Oh, um Earth Angel. Earth That's Angel. Yeah. Earth Angel. Yep. It's it's just a movie that you you can just put on, you watch it, you have a good time, and next thing you know, two hours have gone and you you're just in a better mood after. True, and, and so a lot, what I want to ask you is, did you notice, because uh, I, I think I covered Back to the Future in, in the podcast earlier with uh, Stringer, uh, did you notice, like, at least for me, there's, a, there's an extra layer of entertainment uh, that was brought on by irony, almost that, almost that some of their jokes, so you have <clears throat> the layer of, of comedy, of it being a comedy, you got the, 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 the meta layer of, of knowing what happened to all the actors in real life and everything, and then you have another layer of just time and distance. So like all their thoughts with the future, you know, uh, would, or all their talk about the future and stuff and, and their thoughts of the past for 1985, which is when it came out and I actually saw it in the theater because I am an old, <laughs> um, now seems even funnier to me because I'm, so I'm laughing on jokes that they, that not only were funny in 1985, but jokes of what they thought of stuff, uh, of their concept of the future and, and space time continuum. I had an extra, you know, chuckle at. Did you find that to be the case? Probably more so Back to the Future 2, but but did you find it to be the case with either of these any of these movies? Oh yeah, it's it's you just kind of see what they thought the future and everything would be like and how they talk and it's I'm still waiting on my flying car, damn it. What up, Elon? Yeah. Where my flying car at? <laughs> yeah, all right. So yeah, that's that's a that's a good that's a good movie. You know, I'll give you the whole series. I mean, you know, we could we, we could lose two or three picks on these, so you know, let, let's I'll give you that. Let's do um, for my first one. I'm going to go. I'm going to go with something that's pretty obvious. It's in the damn title, and it's Time Cop. I'm not sure if this is on your list or not. Um, have you seen Time Cop? I haven't. But when I was talking to my roommate about uh, do uh, about the for it to be time travel movies, he's like, if I had one pick, it would be Time Cop. Ah, had a boy. Now, now is that uh, Tuck Nasty, the one who's doing the the bracket? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. He said yeah. Yeah, he said he was going to run down here and yell "Time Cop." But he's he's not here tonight. He goes on Wednesdays, watches wrestling over at his parents. But uh, 
he was if he if we had it last night, he wanted to run down and yell time cop. Oh well, I, I'm glad I I'm, I'm glad we're taping this day late. I'm glad I had a stomachache because uh, Time Cop is like pretty much my first and only choice. Uh, it's great. Well, you know what? I would say it's great. It's kitschy. It's fun. It's Jean Claude Van Damme, which I'm sure to to someone you know to a millennial is like the concept of Jean Claude Van Damme doesn't even make any sense. You try to come back with that Amazon show, which actually I watched the pilot and I really enjoyed the pilot. I never quite caught up to the to the actual series. I think it was canceled after the one season, probably because he's just not relevant anymore, but he was a thing in the 90s. This Belgian, French-speaking dude coming over, kicking people, super, you know, ripped and athletic, and he had blood sport. He had a run in the 90s, right? And I'm not saying, like, he had, like, a Schwarzenegger-type run, but he was, like, the highest level of, of B, uh, well, the, the highest level of of uh, B actor you'd probably want for for action series. And so Time Cop, Ron Silver, I mean, I think he's a bit of a douchebag now. Probably was a douchebag in the 80s anyways. But uh, he, he's always a great bit of a villain. Mia Sarah, uh, yes, Mia Sarah. At the tail end of, of her 80s to 90s, like, you know, you know super uh, mega hot run. She was Ferris Bueller's girlfriend, Ferris Bueller's day off. Um, you know, she was the love interest. Uh, and basically the... The, the concept is, I can't remember what year it, it's supposed to be, but whatever year it is, I, I think it's in the near future. He's, you know, we, there's a whole division called, you know, a time patrol division or whatever that goes back in, in the time to, to stop like, you know, disasters from happening. Super ethically sketchy, whatever. Uh, but, uh, and so I guess one time he gets sent back, he kind of gets like trapped in the past and he has to, to go back to the person who's inventing time, the, the time machine and to rectify things so we can eventually get back to his future. You know, pretty, I guess a pretty standard plot for, you know, future type movies. But yeah, it was, it, it was good. Enjoy, I enjoyed it. I actually owned it for a while. I'm not ashamed to say on, on VHS, I think. So yeah, time time. That's my answer. That <laughs> sounds like something I'll need to check out. All right. So what's your next uh, film? What's your second film? So uh, I'm going to go with Arrival. Oh. Is uh, that time travel? It's kind of a spoiler alert to say it's time travel. Oh, okay. All right. Well, spoiler alert, time travel. All right. So, so tell us more about Arrival. So I remember seeing it. This was, I saw this in theaters uh, I think by myself, and I just – the the whole time they're setting you up, you've got the the aliens in the they they come to Earth and no one really knows what they're here for. And Amy Adams is trying to communicate with them. Uh, and eventually, but you keep seeing her have flashbacks about how she's lost a child and everything like that. And then when it's all said and done, uh, you realize her losing her child was and Jeremy Renner getting together and uh, it's actually in the future which uh, oh, that's right when uh, so when I walked out of it it was just it was just like a, a total mind fuck. you're just kind of walking like what happened and then you sat there and thought about it and I it's it's a movie that just it, it stuck with me for a couple of days afterwards just thinking about it I think Dennis Villanueva was the director. 
Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Montreal's Denis Villeneuve. I think that's that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, yeah. French. Yeah, yeah, French sounding guy from uh, Montreal. Yeah, this is the one where he really kind of announced his arrival. Like he'd had earlier films. Like I actually, I watched on Netflix uh, Enemy with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. That's kind of a interesting one where it's like there's like a whole doppelganger thing. That's you know classic. Uh, oh yeah. Movie, okay, yeah. Villeneuve, where it's like you know moody and atmospheric and dark. Actually, no, I'm sorry. Prisoners was the one that really kind of brought him to the the mainstream, and then this is just Villeneuve uh, just putting his nuts on the table, like what? Like give me a budget. This is what you get. Like what? Atmospheric, moody. Amy Adams is great. Runner is great. I mean, it definitely does creep you out and stay with you. And I haven't seen it since, but it did, like you said, it stayed with me for a few days, and I'd be open to watching it again. Yeah, I, I want to go back and rewatch it. I watched it probably about a year or so ago. It's it's one that I'd like to go back and rewatch. Just because try and pick up on the things you missed. Yeah, and, and watching it in a theater on a big screen is super kind of spooky and creepy and, and mysterious. And yeah, I, I dig it. All right, that's, that's a good pick. I like that. Um, so I'm, I'm going to get this one out of the way because I'm sure this has got to be on your list, your backup list somewhere. But I'm going Looper. Mm. Now, this is our boy Ryan Johnson, a.k.a. the best Star Wars director ever. <laughs> that's for you, trolls. Now, that's for you out there on the chans. Um, anyway, <laughs> kind of teasing? I don't know. Anyways, uh, Looper is, is great because science fiction, time travel element, basically – a guy, uh, so uh, older, is it, okay, I always get this confused. I think it's older Bruce Willis needs to go back and kill your hunted, your, 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 his, his younger self, which I know makes no sense somehow to make it make sense in the movie, but that, that was pretty cool having J- Joseph Gordon-Levitt as, as younger Bruce Willis coming up against Bruce Willis himself and then having to kind of hunt each other and face off. Pretty kind of cool. And meet, meets our, our discriminating uh Oh, that's right. Emily Blunt's in this? Oh, I forgot about that. Uh, meets our discriminating taste for time travel movies. And it, it was it was interesting. You know, well cast, Charlton Copley, who also uh, uh, is had, I think, was kind of hot off of District 9 a couple years earlier. Uh, Bruce Willis is timeless. Yeah, I like Looper. Have you seen Looper? Yeah. Uh, I don't think I've seen it since it was in theaters, now that I actually think about it. So I and- remember <laughs> seeing it and liking it, but I don't think I've revisited. Yeah, I haven't. That's another one that's also probably due for a re- rewatch because it, it was it was smart. It, it could have been bad in so many ways, but they they handle they handle it really smartly. And I think this is this is the the arrival movie for Ryan Johnson. Also, I think he started getting more and more high profile work after this. So, yeah, yeah, Looper. That that's my second film. What's your third one, Ring Balls? All right, this is more of just a guilty pleasure movie. Uh, I know it's not great, but uh, I'm going to do Hot Tub Time Machine. Hot Tub? Yo! No, no, first of all, never qualify your likes. You like what you like, damn it. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm with that. Hot Tub Time Machine, yeah. This yeah, was, that was uh, fun. This was one of the first movies I saw when I started working at the movie theater. And uh, at the at the time, I could only bring uh, two friends with me, so most of my friends wanted to see it because it's a ridiculous. We were all early twenties or late teens at the time, and uh, so it was right up our our alley for comedy. So I think I saw this like four or five times in theaters. Uh, just Craig Robinson, Rob Cordroy, uh, Cusack, even is 
this was before you really knew who Clark Duke was. He was just kind of starting out. And uh, I, I, it's a ridiculous comedy, but I just, I just. No, yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it. I, I only saw it the one time, but it was, it, it was fun. I mean, it, it's, you know, it, it, it's ridiculous and it knows it's ridiculous. And the fact that you have, you know, so many guys would like to be all in on it. I, I enjoyed it too. I think it had what one, maybe two sequels, maybe like more like, I mean, I know yeah, one, I know the sequel, the second one came to theaters. There might be another one that might have been straight to video, right? Uh, I, uh, I know that they had the second one in theaters. I, they might've had one. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's, it's in, it's in the title, hot tub time machine totally qualifies respect. <laughs> Also, right. one of one of my favorite or one of my favorite uh, memories from working at the theaters when this movie was playing, uh, somebody called the theater and asked what this movie was about. My manager happened to answer the phone and he was just like, "It's about a hot tub that's a time machine." And <laughs> whoever whoever was on the other end of the call was like, "Oh, okay," and that was good enough for them. You know, sometimes it's all in the title, Snakes on a Plane. What more can you ask for? <laughs> apparently, apparently, uh, apparently, Crispin Glover enjoys being in uh, time travel. I picked two of them. Yeah, you know. Um, <laughs> all right, so my next one, my third one, and this one's kind of fairly obvious, I guess, uh, is going to be T Terminator T2. Give it to me. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I mean, I couldn't wait on it any longer. Obviously it's, you know, the whole thing sitting around time travel, a Terminator, uh, a machine, an Android cyborg, whatever from the future comes back to, to, to well, in this case, uh, it was to protect the past, uh, to, to protect John Connor, whatever, uh, from an even more diabolical, you know, sleeker, quicker. There he is, Robert Patrick. Man, he was crazy <laughs> with those steel blue eyes and the way he ran just so upright and straight. He was running upright before Tom Cruise was running upright. And it was just, I mean, it was a great time in the movies. He was scary. It was fun. Uh, I mean, a lot of thrills. And as far as technology goes, it was at the cutting edge of 1991 special effects. James Cameron did that shit. Uh, she was very proud. And yeah, T2, Judgment Day. It, it's it, you know, it, it's all about time travel, it, consequences of the future, what we'll risk to safeguard the future. And yeah, I enjoy it. And I, honestly, I think I rewatched it a year ago and it's, it's, it still slaps. Yeah, this is, this is one that I need to definitely go back and revisit. Um, I don't know if I've ever actually sat down and watched it start to finish. It, I, I mean, it's always on TV and I'll pick it up and watch it wherever it's at. But I don't know if I've ever actually sat down and watched it from the very start to the very finish. True, true. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it is. I mean, it is interesting because it's pretty violent, but it is always on, on cable somewhere. So, yeah, it's, and uh, look at those arms. Linda Hamilton having her moment. I mean, even in 91, we, you know, it was, that was a bit of a thirst trap. We were like, wow, like, we didn't know that women could get that ripped <laughs> back then, you know, yeah, times. but yeah, it was, it was great. Linda Hamilton. Yeah. And Edward Furlong. I mean, I, he was so good in this. It's almost kind of like, you kind of wish that he, he'd had more of a career. I think he consciously like left acting for a while or whatever, but it's, you know, he was really good in this. And you kind of thought this guy was going to be the next big thing. Joe Morton. Look at young Joe. Pa uh, uh, <laughs> I was going to say uh, Papa, uh, uh, Papa Pope from, from Scandal. Joe Morton. Yeah, just, just great. Really holds up. All right, so that's my, that's my uh, uh, third movie. What's your, what's your fourth movie? 
Um, oh, I'm gonna go with that. <laughs> no, I got my list. I was just trying to decide what I, I'm gonna go with Edge of Tomorrow. Mm, mm. Good, good one. Why not think of that? That's an excellent choice. I love Edge of Tomorrow. Uh, I, rem- I repeat. Yeah. Well, and we had people come into the theater all the time, and they're like, "Can I get two tickets for Live Die Repeat?" And after after the opening weekend, I everyone rem- figured what it was, uh, what they were talking about. But at first, I was just like, "What the hell are these people asking to see?" But no, I remember I remember seeing the previews for this, and I was kind of like, "I mean, I'm going to see it because I." would see everything that came out but i didn't have high hopes for it i remember leaving the theater and was just like tom tom cruise just carries action movies he there's no why did i ever question him thinking see you you were just like kenneth turan from the la times smart exciting (laughs) and unexpected (laughs) yeah exactly and cruise blunt edge (laughs) you know kudos to whoever did did this one sheet that's excellent cruise blunt edge (laughs) i love it Smart, exciting, unexpected. Yes. Uh, so you're saying, I'm sorry. I, just had, I had to give kudos to marketing where, where, where it's deserved. <laughs> I, it's just, I, it, it's one of those movies. It's just, I mean, that poster pretty much sums it up perfectly. It's smart, unexpected, Emily Blunt. Uh, I Eat rock. Big fan of Emily Blunt. She looks fantastic. That whole, the training scene when she. Yeah, the her, yoga and the, yeah. yeah. Uh, the well, it's not down facing dog. That's the the is that serpent. Uh, I'm sorry, I've I've got my Pilates. It's been like almost two <laughs> years since my last Pilates class. So yeah, but yeah, she looks great doing the snake or whatever. Yeah, that's 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 good stuff. Oh uh, yeah, Liv, yeah, I I, I adore this movie. I can't say I had you know, I actually I came into this movie with no hopes, but I did see it opening day or night or whatever, and I didn't know what to expect because the marketing also was I don't I don't recall it being like that great or that on point like like they're like it was obviously a tom cruise action movie but the marketing was kind of jumbled like i didn't really know what to expect and so i was i was just i had i had a blast and i was really kind of astonished coming out of it hearing like people hearing the buzz going into it like people just didn't really like like they were prepared not to like it which i thought was weird and and it did i think it did okay box office uh at the time but it had like a, a second half i had it had a, a half-life overseas which i think really made it profitable um because i because i know at the at the u.s like for what it cost people thought oh it, it was they thought it was a bit of a flop to middling but no it, it made money i believe so yeah yeah, I think I think it did really well overseas. But yeah, like you said, it felt almost like a lazy campaign or a marketing campaign. It was just kind of like, this is Tom Cruise in an action movie. You're gonna go see it. We're not gonna spend the money to fully advertise it. So shit, I, Ring Balls. Now I want to see. I'm looking at these stills. Now I want to rewatch this. This look. This shit looks hot. <laughs> Actually, after I'm done yeah. watching uh, Jay Devlin's Highlander, and that I'm an hour in, and I am not loving it yet <laughs> i might have to rewatch this this looks this yeah this looks fun yeah, okay, I, yeah. I need to this is another one i need to go back through and watch looking at all these photos it's i'm getting jacked up just looking at it yeah i mean yeah absolutely 100 percent. all right so my next movie um definitely not on your list i'm sure but it's deja vu first of all it's got denzel Second of all, it does deal with time travel, although a really kind of strange 
uh, or the mechanism isn't what you would normally expect. Let's put it that way uh, for time travel. It's it's just it's it, it's more like um, a coffin, I guess, or he gets in like a little cramped little. Have you have you seen Deja Vu, Nick? I haven't actually. This was one of the Denzel movies that uh, got past me. First of all, shame on you. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm Denzel. <laughs> Denzel's my my number one actor. He's he's my been my favorite actor of all time since like grade school like seriously I act, at one point i had every single denzel movie except for like it was like two that i couldn't find on dvd or vhs back in the the, the aughts but um and i like, read his auto i read like the unauthorized autobiography by douglas brode also I mean, i'm a huge denzel stan when i was at acting school yes i went to a mfa acting program for one year and uh i would always watch like a clip of denzel before i'd go perform just get me just give me that zone so this is uh this is one of his less heralded movies i think someone on that rewatchables pod podcast from the ringer i think someone was like talking shit about deja vu i'll i'll brook none of that None of that. This movie. I'm guessing it was not Shea Serrano because <laughs> probably no, it wasn't Shea. Actually, actually, I'm sorry. Maybe it wasn't the rewatch. Maybe I think it was Fantasy. One of those. One of those movie snobs had some shit to say about Deja Vu. Deja Vu is a very effective thriller. It gave us Paula Patton. It was like her first like really major role as a as a as a leading lady. A little bit nudie, didn't mind it. Uh, very hot. <laughs> uh, and this is like this is you kind of see the transition of Denzel going from prime peak you know uh leading man action hero to the beginning of potential dad bod denzel i mean it was it, it kind of i remember being confused in the theater like but no he's supposed to look immortal forever i mean he's probably like you know late 40s early 50s when he did this movie so i don't blame him but yeah this is a great movie caviezel's in it um is a bit of the villain uh i won't give away too much since you haven't seen it you should definitely watch it it's excellent tony scott May you rest in peace. He's just the master of the whole genre. It, I mean, it had it had bits of action in it, but I wouldn't call it a pure action film. It definitely is time travel movie with the way they deal with it. Um, set in New Orleans or after Katrina. The fun fact, or interesting fact, not necessarily fun, is that they were they were set to film down there when Katrina struck, and so it delayed. Um, I think they're in pre production, and so it delayed them. You know, several months. Uh, while the city had to kind of, you know, wash out or whatever before they were able to kind of f- complete filming. And so they kind of incorporated a little bit of post-Katrina into it as well. Because uh, um, as you, well, I'm, you probably were, uh, you know, a kid or teenager or whatever, but Hurricane Katrina, 2005, uh, it, it was pretty bad. So, uh, so yeah, so I just think it was great use of New Orleans. I think it was the first New Orleans set major film post-Katrina to feature it. So I know there's a lot of pride around its release in 2006, uh, from that community. Oh, and Adam Goldberg too. I love. This I was going to say, was that Adam Goldberg? That's a Goldberg sighting, baby. He plays, you know, uh, as you can see, uh, a bit of a wild, unkempt tech, snar- snarky, sarcastic, pure Adam Goldberg. So yeah, good stuff. <laughs> and classic Denzel, Deja Vu. That's my fourth movie. What's your final pick? Ring balls. Make it a good one. All right. So this is this was the very first movie that I used my uh, movie uh, movie path on back in the day. Uh, and I'm going to go with Happy Death Day. Oh, nice. And yeah, that's that's more of like a time loop movie, but we'll allow it. Happy Death Day. And yeah, so talk about that and I'll give you my thoughts because I was definitely, you want to talk about unexpected and, 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 and smart or and smartly unexpected. That's the Happy Death Day. <laughs> yeah, the, that this was, I, I, 
I went and saw it on a Saturday morning. I didn't have anything going on. So I was like, oh, well, I, my uh, movie pass just came in. Let's check it out. And this was the closest one starting. Uh, was this this was a, was this a Blumhouse? Yes, Blumhouse. Yeah. So this this movie uh, has also caused me to see a lot of other bad Blumhouse movies because <laughs> Fantasy uh, Island. Yeah. I got caught. My bad. <laughs> Fantasy Island, Truth or Dare, uh, some some of those that. But no, this one. I I just. I went through seeing it and I was like, this, this is really good. This, it was a, it was a nice way. Cause I mean, obviously movies like the Groundhog Day and e- I mean, even Edge of Tomorrow is kind of a time loop source code, everything like that. Uh, it was just a real inventive way on the genre. And uh, I mean, I, I didn't see the ending coming at all to who the actual killer was mm-hmm. and everything was a, uh, even the even the sequel and follow up to it, uh, I I, I remember seeing the I was seeing the preview and I was like, how, how are you going to do a sequel to this? They they stuck the landing on the sequel too. This is just a real fun movie to watch. I think they're on HBO if anyone wants to check them out. Jessica Roth is uh, she looks really good in this movie. <laughs> yeah, she does. This is my introduction to Jessica Roth. I'm not sure what else she had done but and i actually re- i really was not about to see this movie but i think they released it like in august or something it was super slow and I, yeah, I, yeah i mean like a lemming i'm compulsively i need to be in the theater almost every weekend and just in the premise anything kind of groundhog dayish i mean it, it's it's a weak spot of mine I, I, you got me i mean i, I i'm yeah. i'm always kind of in for seeing how they they play on uh, iterations and time loops and this was really smart i i enjoyed it it was fun uh, apparently it did well enough at the box office to to get a sequel like I, it didn't i don't think it made like 100 million or anything but i mean blumhouse shoots their movies for so cheap i mean you know you yeah. could do 40 50 million and have that be a, a smash success for them so so yeah so this is this is a a fun movie i enjoyed it as well i'm not a horror movie guy at all it's, but but the fact that they had that groundhog day element totally sucked me in and yeah, she's a compelling lead. I, I, I like her in this. Happy uh, Death Day. All right, so my final one. <laughs> this one is definitely before your time. But you know, I'm I'm going to wear my old man badge proudly, damn it. I'm tired of being shamed by youngies. All right, we're going Star <laughs> Trek Four, The Great Discovery. How are you familiar with this? Oh, the, sorry, not that Great Discovery. Sorry, The Voyage Home. See, I even messed it up. The Voyage, <laughs> are you familiar with this one at all? Uh, I I know it in name. I was never. I've seen the the recent Star or the Star Trek movies, but I Which haven't are great. seen any of the originals. Yeah, this one. <laughs> so in this one, uh, not to give anything away, uh, and apparently you're not like a Star Trek completionist anyway, so it's fine. But this one, so so the fir- first Star Trek movie, I guess, came out in like '77 or '79 or whatever. It was a bit of a thing. That was too young for me. I didn't quite see it. I was old enough to see The Wrath of Khan in theaters, and I, that blew my hair back. I mean, that was that was great. Have you have you seen The Wrath of Khan, Star Trek Two? I haven't seen that one. Oh, okay, so you're not a Trekker. All right, that's fine. It, it's, oh yeah. yeah. But Star but Wrath of Khan really put them into franchise overload mode. Like they started being event films, and so by the fourth iteration, Star Trek Three was fine. I, I remember it was it was a resolution of the storyline in two where Spock dies, whatever. But of course, you can't keep Spock dead. He comes back, whatever. <laughs> But in, but in in four, this was pretty cool because this is probably the biggest budget movie at the time 
in in history to be an environmental movie. This whole thing is so you, you find Kirk and them finding some sort of like wormhole or whatever and going back to the year nineteen I guess I think I think it was present day. I think it was like nineteen eighty four, eighty five, whatever. Uh, uh, San Francisco, and and their mission was basically they had to save the world by saving the whales. It was all about saving the. That was a big thing in the eighties, was saving the whales. Greenpeace, you know, they teach us tell us about it in kid, you know, as kids, like that was that was like a big deal, saving the whales. So, anyways, this thing was about saving the whales in modern day San Francisco. Uh, it was a little corny and cheesy. People kind of denigrated, but I enjoyed it greatly still sticks with me as a kid i've only watched it maybe two or three times in my life but it's it's it stayed with me it, you know decent special effects you know all the cast in their prime prime william shatner prime prime before he started hawking stuff on midday cable and, and everything just prime william shatner not a care in the world devil may care looks all good stuff just a really fun movie so if you're looking for something down memory lane a little bit a little bit of time travel mixed in with your sci-fi I highly recommend Star Trek for the voyage home. Let's save the whales, y'all. <laughs> and on that, since, of course, you have nothing to say to that before your time, <laughs> we're in that segment. And, of course, as predicted, Zoom, my battle with Zoom continues. Oh, there we go. All right, here I am. I'm back. Oh, we're going to take a short break to, I guess, not even switch, pay the bills, but advertise with this great game cinema draft and draft stream is all about so hang with us for those of you listening at home for those of you watching on video we will cut this we'll be right back in a moment movie theaters are on a hiatus but we here at cinema draft are not draft stream is the streaming content version of the cinema draft game you know and love just like with cinema draft you have a $100,000 salary cap for a 10-actor call sheet, no more, no less. But in this one, you have to have at least one of three actor types for your 10-actor call sheet. One headliner, a co-star, and a day player. Scoring is based on weighted averages of Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic scores, plus audience and user scores. Headliners get a 40% bonus, while co-stars receive a 20% bonus over day player points. The game runs from Thursday evening to Monday afternoon with daily updates on Saturday and Sunday before final scoring after Monday, 12 p.m. Pacific time. Currently, we are alpha testing DraftStream in a rudimentary spreadsheet-based format while we work on adapting it for digital play. Tweaks happen almost weekly due to player feedback. We really need the data, so please help us out and play the game. Often, there is a $50 prize pool with $35 going to first and $15 going to second for the top two non-Cinema Draft employee players. A link to the most current talent pool is included in the podcast description. Please review the Rules tab and submit your call sheet by Thursday, 6 p.m. Pacific Time. Thanks for your help, and good luck. back all right so last week's quarantine movie of the week was jerry Maguire. thanks for everyone who tweeted or responded at me via social media about your experience with jerry Maguire. i love that movie myself this week's quarantine movie of the week and allow me to share my screen is bamboozled and yes wildly offensive poster 
just the beginning of your journey with Bamboozle. It's awesome. It's Spike Lee's satire on Hollywood and race relations. It was my personal movie of the year in 2000. I thought it was a miracle that it came out at all. It's, it's, it's pretty incredible. Basically, it's uh, about a Black TV writer in, you know, in 2000. Uh, there's a lot of talk about New Millennium this, New Millennium that in 2000, the year it came out. Um, and a, a Black TV writer working in, uh, in New York, but essentially for Hollywood, uh, creates a modern-day minstrel show as protest, starring Save Young Glover, who had, he had like a really big stretch in the aughts in, in the 90s, tap dancer extraordinaire. Are you familiar with Savion at all, Nick? Oh, I'm just clicking on his IMDb page. Yeah, yeah, he had yeah. he had a he had like a few special I think he had like a full blown movie where it was just him tap dancing, you know, um in really interesting ways. This is also one of the, the earlier experiments in digital handheld uh photography. The the movie looks like shit. I won't lie. It looks like shit. Uh Spike had no money. I remember him I remember reading stories about him fighting with the studios to get it done or finished. And I think he might have had to self-finance at the end to finish this movie because it was so controversial. Just like just like the the show within a show in, in this movie. And and so you see here Spike with the handhelds, but it, it looks, you know, kind of grainy and it, it's not like the Michael Mann sleekness and collateral quite yet. But you know, I, I really respect him for doing it. You know, he put his money where his mouth is. All these guys came to play um in, in making this this movie about a modern day minstrel show and in the movie uh the the minstrel show you know for reasons that are totally obvious both then and now it becomes a hit who doesn't love a black man wearing blackface acting super stereotypically black you know i mean it's wild and no makes a lot of people uncomfortable especially a lot of uh new uh, uh millennials now you know I, I get like they couldn't quite get the subversive humor, but I laughed my ass off at it. Uh, the, the draft mom also rewatched it recently. She had a great time because if you're, if you're black in America, if you're African-American, you spent your entire life laughing through the pain. And so to, so to see them mine well-worn stereotypes in the minstrel show, like there was, there were, they had a person dressed as every stereotype I learned in my, in, in my, um, uh, in my ethnic notions class in junior year in college, every uh, yeah, the Piccadilly, the Mama, I mean, it it you know it sucks. We don't want that in our lives, but to see them expertly skewer that in a satirical manner, and that's what satire is: taking life, showing a funny house mirror to it, and and working out serious issues through humor and you know, pathos. It, it does all that. It's a really great movie. Michael Rappaport, perfect. I mean, central casting for. The, the 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 white guy who thinks he's down the the, the white guy who says oh, I'm blacker than you that that type of guy who still exists I'm sure Jada Pinkett Smith was excellent as uh, Damon Wayans you know put upon assistant Damon Wayans my God first of all I mean <laughs> all props to to the I mean I think he's I think Keenan is the oldest Wayans and then it's like Damon Damon was great in this he plays this totally just totally reinvented uh I'm, I'm trying to find the right word he's such a caricature of of a buppy a black yuppie of that time where he's got this fake accent he talks super controlled and, and he's got these affectations and he's he calls himself Pierre Delacroix but his real name is peerless like you know, Dothan. He totally reinvented himself to be this, you know, white man's ideal of a black, of a non-threatening black guy. It's incredible. I mean, this movie was so slept on. It only made like, 
like two or three million at the box office. They had my money. I'm one of the 2.5 million. I'm the few of the proud, damn it. That movie was great. I saw it in theaters. I saw it at home. I think I owned it on DVD for a while until I shipped off all my, until I sold off all my DVDs when I purely digital. But yeah, this thing, it's offensive to look at, and that's the whole point. And I don't care, you know, you know, present company included. I don't care. Not man, one white person loves this movie. I love this movie because I get what they're trying to do with it. And it really does have themes that carried on from that are timeless that from before then, then and now. I mean, there's so many jokes they have in this movie that it's like they could have written them yesterday because everything that's going on in the country, racial unrest, whatever. These until we deal with all these things collectively as a nation, especially white people included, we're not going to get past these things. And this movie, it's a painful reminder of what still exists and everything. And all the the, the slave era, you know, artifacts that he has throughout the movie are are, are wild and, 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 and interesting. But it's a really effective movie. I think it's a must-see. If you can find it, Nick, seek it out. It was on Prime. I don't think it's on Prime anymore. But if you if you find it available for rental or whatever, see that movie. Because you'll be thinking about it and talking about it for days. Oh, yeah, I, I'm going to try and find it, or if I just have to buy it digitally, I don't mind buying it. So I'm going to look at that up once we get off this podcast here. Yeah, man, most deaf, young most deaf is in there. Uh, there's another guy, he's named, um, actually, I don't think you can see him in this, but uh, a guy named Craig Mums Grant. He's on this new show called High uh, Town. I mean, 20 years later, still working. He was also on Oz, I think, and on The Wire for a stretch. So it's just really fun seeing uh, these guys 20 years later, still working. That's Matthew Modine right here. Funny thing, and Matthew, Mo- uh, Matthew Modine makes a cameo really funny in that. Uh, Savion tap dancing on the table. This is before the whole Atlanta skewering of the guy rapping on the table and stuff. This is in 2000. This is Savion Glover getting on the tap, uh, table tap dancing literally tap dancing for his contract. I mean, it's just so wild. I love this movie, Bamboozled. Check it out, y'all, damn it. Check it out. Uh, give me your tweet length review if you've seen it or do end up seeing it at Play Cinema Draft uh, on Twitter. Love to see what you, hear, what you think about it. And all right, so we're going to pull into our draft stream update with one of our, with our lowball aficionado, Nick Ringballs, Ringballs, Ringwald. What are your thoughts on this week's talent pool? Well, actually, first, let's, let's, let's talk real quick about last week. How do you, how do you think it, it, it went down last week? Are you happy with your performance uh, or, or any of your call sheets? Uh, well, I mean, I succeeded in getting the low ball for the second week. And I thought, honestly, I thought I was going to be able to take down all three. My, I, my, my number one for Jay's rules. Uh, yes. I, it's just just a little bit too too good on that one. I thought uh, I thought go because I figured Miss Juneteenth was going to be the highest scorer. Okay. It it uh, so I figured if I just did a four pack of it, it would give me enough to uh, be in contention. And then uh, I did the eight headliners overall. And I just yeah, figured just enough, that there but would not be too much, right? You want just enough, yeah. but not too much. Yeah, Miss Juneteenth to get the the fifty dollar fifth place bonus. Yeah, and yeah, so, that went to our boy uh, MJCJ. Shout out to him. But yeah, so so and then also you you were competing with yourself for possibly getting into the the second place money. Just I mean, Jaybird just could not be denied. He had a late surge to kind of take it from me. What what do you think happened there? Uh, well, I think my I think I did a four or five pack of. Uh, what is it? Uh, that TV show. 
that came or that was on season three. What uh, summer? Camp oh yeah, Island. Summer Camp Island. Yeah, you had looks like you had a four pack. Or four, yeah. I, uh, I didn't pay enough attention. I remember you talking about it when you previewed it on the podcast with Devlin, uh, saying that it was in its third season. I just completely forgot that. Mm. Realized that it wasn't gonna. It probably wasn't gonna get any critics reviews or anything like that so i was pretty much hemmed in at the 96 well so, you know what uh, like, like, let's let's not dwell in the past i mean you, you did well you got a little little change a little ten dollars your your low ball streak continues you know so, some people aim high some people go low you know you know master your domain good stuff i was really upset because i thought i had a good beat on it but then freaking perry mason it was a struggle this week to get up to 75 yeah, that, minimum budget. So, and Perry Mason knocked me right out of it. Clean out. Look at Perry Mason. Perry Mason did 101.15. Second highest scoring title of the weekend. After that, I had no shot. So, well well played. Yeah, no, I, I was sitting there and I was building my team for the low ball. And it's like, oh, I got to get to 75,000. So, I think I had a two-pack of Perry Mason in there too. But luckily, everything else I had just went really low. Yeah, Wasp Network. Oh, have you seen our our beloved Anna de Armas's new movie yet? No, I haven't. I haven't gotten around to it. I uh, no. What, what, Sergio, is that the other one you you and I were talking about in the group? Yeah, chat? yeah, Sergio. It, it's a perfectly mediocre movie, but you know, Anna, you know, her and clothes don't mix sometimes. So you might, you know, <laughs> it, it's worth it's worth a watch just to see, you know, her her lovely face. Um, yeah, no, it's, 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 it's interesting because it was actually, I, I listened to like a podcast interview with the creator and also, uh, Wagner Mora, the, the star of it. I mean, you know, the, the guy who we all know is, you know, Pablo Escobar. I think he kind of came on our radar, everyone's radar on Moss as the guy who played Pablo Escobar in, um, in Narcos, the, the first few seasons. And, and, uh, it's, it's interesting because the guy who did this movie, I think also was doing like a documentary on on the real life Sergio, I forget his last name, but it's real. It's a real life guy who works for the UN. So they really put, I mean, it was really a passion project for them. I mean, maybe it didn't, you know, do as well as they wanted to do, but it's on Netflix. You know, it'll be there forever. So people discover it or not, you know? Oh yeah. I, I meant to check that one out, but yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't get around to Wasp Network either. So I, I yeah. Let, uh, Dad's I think is the only thing I watched. Yeah, I might get to the Wasp Network this week. I mean, it looks like it's going to be largely subtitled because dealing with Cuban immigrants or whatever. Um, uh, I think it's I think it's Cuban Cuban immigrants infiltrate Cuba, uh, a Cuban spy network or something. I don't know. It sounds mildly interesting, but it, it's it's subtitled. So when anytime there's a lot of reading, I need to make sure I'm in the right headset, you know, head you know uh, frame of mind to to be able to pay attention and read. I mean, I watch everything with captions anyways these days because I don't want to miss a word. But, you know, you know, there are movies and stuff you watch where you, you, know, you check your phone or you look up something on IMDb. Can't kind of do that if it's like in a foreign language, yeah. right? So, yeah. But yeah, but let's, let's take a look at this week's uh, talent pool, 25th. Uh, a new wrinkle I'll, I will be adding, it's not much a wrinkle, it's more of a UI thing, is... I discovered, I mean, me and me and, and these sheets, I new discoveries every week. I discovered that you can actually link someone's call sheet directly to their name from, from the box office report. So I will start doing that now. It'll make it a lot easier when I'm going through my recaps. So look out for that uh, after I merge everyone's call sheets after a game lock this week. You know, you'll be able to click right here from the player and go straight to their call sheet. Should be 
great for everyone involved. And yeah, so we've got an interesting mix, a fairly uninspired mix this week. I think our our highest, oh, actually this one, uh, a regular woman is our highest salaried title so far. That's mostly because there's a wealth of information on a regular woman. Uh, what, were, what are your initial thoughts on this so far? Uh, so the only thing I've actually really, oh, I'm looking at it now. Yeah, that's a really solid tool. Um, uh, the one, uh, I know you were experimenting with our first, uh, Wednesday release with that athlete A. And yeah, that, I started watching that last night. It's, it's some heady stuff. Uh, that, uh, looks like it is coming out real strong right, right now. So, uh, I'm guessing that, uh, everyone in the, the pool will be heavy on that this week. Yeah, cheap value looks like cheap. I mean, if it's at a seven point seven to nine DB alone, I mean that's cheap value right there. Yeah, so I, that's I know through my initial look through that was the one that I will probably have a lot of. Uh, I finally saw a preview for that Eurovision song contest, the Will Ferrell Rachel McAdams. Yeah, what were your thoughts <laughs> on that trailer? <laughs> I love Will Ferrell, but I I. Like I, I went and saw Holmes and Watson. I don't know why I didn't think it looked good. And I hated almost every single minute of it. Uh, the preview, it's this, I, I don't, I don't think it's going to perform. This looks terrible. The trailer looks awful. And I get, it looks very, you know, it's very much a parody of the, I guess there's like a real Eurovision contest in Europe or whatever. It trends every once in a while on Twitter. And I just kind of chalk up to the hashtag Europe. But the, the thing that might actually get me to check this out is Rachel McAdams. And not only because she's beautiful and talented and all sorts of stuff, but everything she's in, it's almost like she's incapable of mailing in a performance. And by that, I mean, like, even like a a, a a a movie like Game Night. Game Night was good. It's like legit good. It was, it was fun. She's game in it. She's always you know willing to, to roll with the punches with anything. And it's not like she. It, it never feels like she's ever above material. If that makes any sense, you know. Like like if she if she's like if this is the parody, this is what we're gonna do. This is what we're doing, and she just kind of commits. So I'm inclined to check it out. I'll give it at least a half hour. Yeah. Yeah, half yeah, hour. I mean. <laughs> I mean, if, if if I made the conscious decision to go to a theater to watch Holman, Holmes and Watson, I think I can at least <laughs> sit down and start watching this one on Netflix. So I'll check it out. Uh, I will probably have zero of it in my two, at least in my two call sheets that I think are going to be near the top. Uh, it might be in my low ball. So, so what do you think of the prospects for Irresistible? Because this one, uh, I mean... Uh, I mean, I, I, you don't want to believe your lying eyes, but man, this looks bad. <laughs> yeah, I I listened to your recap or your preview pod after on Monday. I I I don't know what to think with this movie. It's it's on it's video on demand too, right? It is. So Can yeah, I'm probably <laughs> I'm probably not going to pay to see it this weekend. If I see that it's getting good reviews, I might consider it. But uh, I this it looks like a mess waiting to happen. And after after uh, space after Space Force kind of fell flat on its face, um, 
have you have you did you finish Space Force? Did you watch any of it or all of it? I, I've watched the first four episodes, and like I watched it, and I, I laughed and enjoyed watching it, but it it felt almost hollow, like I was missing something. So I haven't really gone back to uh, finish it up because there was nothing really there that made me feel like I had to, especially after Upload came out mm. less than a month before. And I I love that. I can't wait for season two. Yeah, Upload was great. And that's also why I was very excited about Space Force. And you're right, Space Force sucked. Uh, I tapped out after, after I, I can't believe I made it through seven, but I tapped out after, after seven episodes. It's, it doesn't get any better. It's not what you want. Uh, get your buddy, Steve Carell. Good for you. But yeah, it's not what you want. Um, only other thing. My, oh, go ahead. My, my spy, I'll probably check out. Uh, uh, it look, I, I mean, it's, I don't think it, I don't know if I'll have it in any of my call sheets. <laughs> but, but you'll at least watch it. I'll watch it. Uh, I mean, back when I would, we were allowed to go to theaters, it was on almost every single, this trailer was on almost every single movie. So it really was. I, it looks, <laughs> it looks interesting enough. I don't know how great it'll be, but this uh, Chloe Coleman, is that her name, the little girl? Oh, uh, actually, that's a great question. Is, yeah, Chloe Coleman, yeah. Uh, she looks like she's going to be really good in the movie. And I mean, as we've seen with Guardians of the Galaxy and Stuber, uh, Bautista can at least be funny enough. So I think, I think it'll be good for some laughs. I don't think the movie itself particularly great but i don't think i'm going to be upset after i watch it you know what uh nick i think i've stumbled onto a viewing ethos today this is another one where i think i'll give it a half an hour <laughs> i mean <laughs> i i used to and i almost feel ashamed but Bruh. life is too short i <laughs> sometime around so i used to i'm not sure if you're aware but i used to uh write movie reviews for uh, online, I didn't quite have a blog, whatever, but I you know, would give it to a, a few different outlets here and there. Didn't really get paid much, if anything, but it was it was fun. I, you know, I wrote a ton of reviews, and I, I'll never forget watching. I want to say it was was it the Michelle Pfeiffer teacher movie? There was some teacher movie. Oh, the uh, one where Coolio sings the. Oh, uh, you know, actually, I'm sorry. So yeah, so Dangerous Minds had already been out, but then there were so many Dangerous Minds knockoffs. There was one of these knockoffs a few years later. Oh, you know, some you know white lady savior in the jungle of you know dark people movies. And I remember getting to forty. I was on a studio lot, forty five minutes in the screening. I walked out. I'm like, you know what? Life's too short. I will write in my review that I walked out. I didn't finish this. It, it's just it was just a bad movie. And ever since then. I've gradually amped it up. Like if, even if I paid to see a movie, I'll walk out, you know? I mean, now, nowadays, or when we were able to still go see movies, you know, I would have my, my A-list or whatever. So it made it a lot easier, a lot conscience-free. Or I was the type of person, I can admit this now, it's fine. Statue of limitations, whatever. That I would pay for one in C3 and I'd have these suckers lined up perfectly and do the bathroom <laughs> trick, you go into the stall and you know, all sorts of stuff. I had it all mapped out. So if so, even if a movie was disappointing, I just leave early, go to the stall, read some stuff, go out, go see my next movie, what have you. So this looks like a half-hour movie. Um, I'll, I'll give it a half hour. I, I'm truly, I'm truly reclaiming my time in both the congressional and the personal sense of the word. Claim my time. <laughs> I can tell you, as a former uh, theater employee, as long as if anyone who wants to do the multiple movie trick 
as long as you act like you know what you're doing, uh, most people aren't even going to stop you or repeat and as a former movie employee myself, 100%. Like you have to, you have to be, I mean, just don't be explicit with it. Just don't be like obvious with it. I mean, sure, if you have like a little backpack or a shoulder bag, fine. You know, no, you know, that, that, that's fine. But don't like reel in like some shit. That's just like, some people get like too extra with it or just throw it in your face. It's like, just be slick. Yeah. Be, be smooth with it. Or, or like the 14 or 15 year olds that want to sneak into a rated R movie and they just hang out by the bathroom and they're sitting there giggling. It's like, if you just walked in, nobody would notice you. And as long as you're not assholes in the theater, no one's going to catch you. That's right. 15 and 15 year olds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 14 and 15 year olds don't have the most common sense. All right. Well, so I will wrap up our draft stream update. Our wonderful game plays every Thursday. Uh, Game, uh, Game sheet, call sheets are due by 6 p.m. There's a link in the description of this video and podcast. Click that link and share with me your call sheet by 6 p.m. Pacific time on Thursday to be eligible. We are three maxing again, three maxing our call sheets. So three shots to go high or to go low. Like, but you know, you'll you'll have a hard time getting past uh ring balls and his and his uh, 50s pompadour haircut here so yeah he's, he's, he's body blocking he's going for a streak of his own and maybe also take the top spot who knows as long as jaybird doesn't win it damn it we we won this week for america damn it that's the, yeah shout Canadian out to, invasion to, get out of here yeah shout out to, to gamble 24x7 g24 the all-time cinema draft money winner quite uh he's 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 regaining his form just took him a few weeks to, to get back in the swing of things so we'll see how he does this week but i'm coming for you i'm coming for you all right I, and i, I feel for- like i could have i feel like i could have chased down gamble 24 if uh we could have continued the game uh the cinema draft game a little longer michael j uh mjcj oh it's one more day one more day <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, so that's that's also an uh, interesting thing about the game this week is that we also have another Acorn sighting, another Monday release. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see the, the mix of strategies at play this week. And we're going to bring this in for a landing. Thanks again, Nick, for gracing us with your presence on the pod. We'll have you back on uh, more regularly as we as we steam closer to our site launch. It's going to be another month or so. Hang in there, guys. We're still spreadsheeting, but we did hire a new designer. Very excited uh, to have uh, Pollock on our team. I think she's watching. She's been a student of all her stuff thus far. So shout out to Pollock. Keep up the good work. And hopefully we'll have a decent, workable prototype for you to, to play with in August and September. And so in wrapping up, Usually, this is the time where we ask people to go ahead and plug their ish. So, do you have ish to plug, Ring Balls? Uh, I mean, if, if there's any Disney movie fans out there, if you just want to go to my Twitter profile, I got the tweet pinned at the top with the polls. Uh, I typically leave them open for two days, so enough time for uh, people to come in there and vote. Uh, I'm releasing the third leg of the bracket tomorrow. Yes. Uh, some of these were a lot closer than I thought they would be. Yeah, we're we're, we're uh, for those listening at home, we are. I'm actually kind of on the fly going through the cinema draft account and letting our voice be voice. No, voice. Wow, I cannot talk to <laughs> our voice be heard. Um, 
yeah, and some of these are, I mean, this was actually kind of tough, but Finding Dory. Uh, yeah, some of these are, aren't very close. Some of these are actually better, they're closer than you think. I'm not even the biggest Little, Little Mermaid fan. I really enjoyed both, but I will go Little, Little Mermaid. And, and, and it's just really fun to see how these, oh, 32 minutes left? Okay, so yeah, round one's ending before you hear this pod. So. Yeah. Round, even on round, uh, two back. <laughs> round two. Round two will probably be open for a couple hours after this one comes up, but round three will be up and running. All right, excellent. Yeah, so that's so yeah, so go check out our boy Ringballs at Ringballs22 on Twitter. And we will, you know, do what we can to stay up with it from the Twitter, from the Cinema Draft Twitter account as well. Great stuff, Ringballs. And once again, thanks for for watching everyone. Thanks for listening and playing the game. And this is usually the time when we would say, why don't you watch you quarantine with a movie or something instead of see a movie or something. AMC wants you to see a movie. Don't do it. Stay home. Be safe. Quarantine with us. Watch Bamboozled, everyone. Play the Cinema Draft and Draft Stream games. See you all next week. Take care. I quarantine with a movie or something. Where can you find Cinema Draft? We are on Twitter, at Play Cinema Draft, Facebook, Cinema Draft, Instagram, at Play Cinema Draft, Medium, at Cinema Draft, that is our corporate blog. We're even on Pinterest, Cinema Draft. Also subscribe to this podcast at iTunes, Google Music, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts from. And finally, please visit us at cinemadraft.co and sign up for an invite to the relaunch. We will always have games where you can sign up, play for free, and win real money. Cinema Draft is a registered mark of Cinema Draft LLC. Both the Cinema Draft game and the CD3D decentralized app token are for entertainment purposes only.